So uh, it's November, nearly December um, 2021. Um, we haven't done a podcast for a while because we've been busy on track all year, haven't we, Tim? Um, so today I've got with me Tim Harvey, um, who has been working with us throughout the year, and uh, we're going to be discussing what upgrades Tim has made to his Nana 1.2 RS and what we're going to be doing next with it. Yep, nothing stands still, does it? Absolutely. <laughs> In the world not. of cars, modifications, track days performance there's always something to be gained there's always another model on the yeah. way that's it yeah. but um welcome tim thanks for joining us um so let's start at the beginning then what have you well over the last couple of years then what, what have you had and what have you got at the moment um well i've been through like a lot of people a sort of journey of cars um particularly after sort of stopping racing and doing a bit more on track days, enjoying the whole ambiance again of dri- and doing more driving. So yeah. I've sort of, I've gone from a manual um, 991.1 GT3 um, through to a PDK 991.2 um, through to a 991.2 RS, which I have now. Um, So obviously things have become more track focused, (laughs) Um, but you know, that's half the fun of owning a car, isn't it? Mm. Um, I'm not trying to go racing in my car, I'm trying to enjoy my car and enjoy the track days. Yeah, absolutely. And so you've had the Silver RS about a year, 18 months? Yeah, just over a year now, 18 months. Um, It was a, a low mileage car that I bought actually, it was owned by a friend of mine, so I knew the car well from new. Um, and it's a it's a lovely spec. It's a non Visac car, but that means it's a non OPF car as well, Correct. which also has some benefits. Um, especially as I had in the back of my mind that ultimately I might uh, mantai it. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so the benefits therein of a Visac car are not quite so great, anyway. Yeah. So the, for those who are sort of not au okay fait with the the OPF. Um, uh, phrasing so what Tim's referring to there is in I think it's the end of 2019 they changed the exhaust to have the auto particulate filters which are a big old sort of silencer and filter as it says helping um, pass uh, more stringent European uh, emissions regs so what Tim's actually got is actually quite a rare car to have a Gen 2 non-OPF car there wasn't that many of those built um, and as you say so it, the benefit being it, it removes a bit of the weight from the back of the car by not having them and I, I've never done, I've never seen a side-by-side test but maybe probably the difference in throttle response potentially I don't know yeah it should be it's, it, it sounds a little bit louder normally anyway the yeah. OPF cars are a bit muted mm. um, and there is a general feeling it'd be hard to same for sure but it, it just has a better throttle response slightly mm-hmm. um, and yes it's lighter and and also it means if you change the exhaust at all you don't run into any mapping lambda issues which True. a lot of the OPF cars do when people change exhausts. No exactly so um, what what was the first mod where do we start? Uh, geometry was Good. the first yep. thing um, you know the cars are quick obviously to start with but they're built with a safety margin in mind in terms of setup they have to be yeah. um, and as a reasonably quick track driver <laughs> I was looking for something a little bit more um, uh, balanced dynamic a bit more front end on the car mm-hmm. so yeah. the first thing we did was to put a, a basic um, Manti racing geometry setup on the car which mm. immediately improved some of the uh, uh, front end grip because the cars do tend to have mid-core understeer mm-hmm. um, and, and just a bit more aggressive track setup on the Geo. 
If we stay on that mod just for a second, because as you just said, we put a basic one on to start with. How was the, before we came to changing the coilovers totally, what sort of evolution did we go through on the standard hardware? Um, well, I mean, we've, we've done a lot of work on setups, and setups is such an individual thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends, you know, how much road driving you're doing, how, much, how fast a track driver you really are, honestly. Um, what tyres you're on um, mm. and everything else. But, you know, we've, we've got sort of here at RPM some good basic setups, depending on you being honest with how you're <laughs> using the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's no point in saying, oh, I want Tim Harvey's setup on the car. If you then say, oh, it's a bit darty on the road or it's mm. a bit too pointy on the track. Yeah. Um, but if you want it, we can do it. Mm. Um, but it evolves with you and the car um, and, and, and we know these cars so well now that we know what to put on the cars. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But it does, it does change. Uh, you know, I mean, there are three basic setups. There's the sort of fast road track setup. There's the, 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 the quick track day uh, setup. And there's the pro driver setup. So mm. we've got three basic setups anyway. Yes. And the, and the standard Porsche hardware is, is very good. Obviously, you know, we're dealing with an RS here. It's the top of the tree. Um, so we can alter quite a lot of the characteristics without having to change those. So we've got ride heights, camber. Uh, I don't think you can do caster, but camber, um, toe, Toes. all those other yeah. bits and pieces. And I tend to find the when talking to owners, that's the instant biggest feel difference in the car. It is. I mean, you know, a lot of people who do the occasional track day but use their GT3s and RSs regularly are quite happy with a standard setup. Yeah. The moment they come in and say, oh, I'm getting a bit too much understeer here or there and the car just doesn't turn, you know, enough for me in terms of my corner entry speed, well, then mm. you know you've got to start improving the car. Yeah. And the benefit to the driver at that point is huge mm -hmm. because he gets a lot more satisfaction out of driving the car. But you've got to be approaching that speed boundary before you'll feel the benefit. Yes. Otherwise, you won't feel the benefit. And going a bit of a lick with these when yeah. you start, yeah. to, start yeah. to do that. And fair play to Porsche. They've built it to be able to be adapted. Yeah. It's, it's not a failing of the car. It's a, it's a plus of the car that it you is. can do this, isn't it? It is, because yeah. initially you, you need the car to be a little bit safe and having mm. a bit of understeer built into you, into the car, yeah. shows you where the limit is of, of your driving before you the car swaps ends. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah. it's a good safety thing to have in, but you've got to be able to push that boundary before it's worth modifying the car. Yes, and whilst it's not a mod, but it's just something that cropped up in my mind is that one thing that I'm always astounded with these days is the, the calibration of all of the Porsche traction control systems. Now I know you obviously like to do things yourself with the car, but pushing up to the limit mm. with all the systems on, the car is, is helping you, whereas a lot of manufacturer systems are a bit Intrusive, intrusive. Yeah. intrusive. Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And in fairness, when the track is damp or mm. wet, I run with the system switched on. Yeah, and it works really well. Yeah. Um. Uh, but even in the dry, it's not horrendously intrusive. Mm. Um. I only switch it off because I I'm confident in my car <laughs> control abilities to play with it a bit. But if you're not, it's not going to hurt you. No, no, exactly. Uh, it's actually quite surprising what it will allow the car to mm. do before you feel it clip mm. in. But um, yeah, I uh, just thought to, to mention that whilst we were chatting about it. So another 
mod then that we're kind of just about touching on is is tyres I think was that one of the the second yeah well yes and no I think the next thing that I did yes and no the next thing that I did was just to uprate the brakes a little bit um, so I changed the pads and I put some anti-braided brake lines on it yep. and, uh, and we changed the fluid just because we're using it mm -hmm. hard on track days. Yep. Um, and I also did a side exhaust delete on the rear. This is to lose the two big side silencers yep. um, with a link pipe. Mm. Um, I'm retaining the standard rear box because you still want to pass track day noise regulations. Yeah. I've also got a pair of silence tips that we can put on if it's a particularly restrictive track day noise-wise. Yeah. Um, but the main benefit is to lose sort of 28 kilos of, of weight overhanging behind the rear wheels, Yes. Um, which is a really bad place to put the weight, but you have no choice on a rear end. They wouldn't car. have done it if they'd no. have had it their way, would they? Um, no, it's just to get emissions left. So that was a handling benefit. Yep. A slight noise increase, yes, mm. which is quite nice. No um, bad thing. But but um, you know nothing difficult to do. But that was a simple a simple modification to make to the car. Yeah. Okay. And at that point, happy with the car. Yeah. At that point, happy. Yeah. I, tires. You mentioned tires just before, but that that I obviously am lucky enough to be a Michelin brand ambassador and to uh, promote and use their tyres. I say that here because I unashamedly promote them as the best tyre out there and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely confident that is the truth. Mm. But you know, the car comes on Cup 2s, um, uh, which are a great all-round tyre. I still use it sometimes for long-distance um, events or um, uh, driving in the winter or something so that the cup 2 is still a great tire mm. um, but a cup 2 R is on a whole different level spoiled you. it has spoiled <laughs> me and and it really elevated the performance of the car not by fractions of a second but sort of two two and a half seconds round somewhere like Silverstone so it's a big chunk of performance in one place and sorry to cut you up there would the and and I, I phrase it in the, the nicest possible way would the average track day goer with such a vehicle notice the same sort of difference yes yep. yeah everybody thinks that they won't notice a difference in tires but you absolutely will you know it's a well trodden saying that it's the only part of the car that touches the ground yeah so everything you feel in the car is coming from the tire track interface yes and so to think that you won't feel the benefit is absolutely untrue mm. anybody jumping out of one car into another the same car on the different tires would feel the benefit yeah so yes absolutely you, you would go faster and feel the benefit of, of cup two hours mm. and another i mean we've obviously spent time in cars at different circuits and the common sort of question i, I sometimes get away from the circuit is, is how does a cup two r feel as it ages you know people have a yep. comfort comfort level maybe with a cup two that they can use it on all year yep. round and it's fine and they go oh I'm not, not sure about an R because apparently only last two laps which isn't the truth is it no it absolutely <laughs> isn't you know I do thousands of miles on a set of tyres mm. the only reason I change them is because of a, a road legality issue at the end of the day just because I wear them down to such a point that there's not enough tread left to be legal on the road but in yeah. terms of track performance they're still really good yeah um they are a little bit like a slick tire in that they 
need a, they require heat in them to work properly. Yep. Um, they require more heat than a cup two. Mm -hmm. um, so you really need to be a little careful but a li or, or, to get some heat into the tyre initially. Yep. But if it's a hot day, that's really only a, a lap or two to build up to full speed. Yeah. Um, but um, no, in terms of wear, you know, they're, they're absolutely fine. I, I use my car regularly on the road and I, yeah, it's difficult to say how many miles you could get out of them, um, and depending on how many track days you're doing on which circuits. But I will regularly use a set of tyres for four or five track days, mm. including road mileage in between, um, with a side-to-side -side swap of the tyres halfway through. And the, and the truth is that the grip is slightly better when they're brand new. There's mm -hmm. a peak of performance, which is why you'll always see um, record laps at, at uh, the Nürburgring down on a brand new set of tyres, because there's a slight peak in performance um, initially, which is why I say it's a bit like a slick tyre. But then the, the performance level plateaus almost for the rest of the tyre's life. And that plateau level is still extremely high. Because we've seen the R's almost down to the canvas yep. being consistent. Yes. All the way through, yeah, yeah. which reflects what you were just they saying. They really are. Yeah. They, I mean, if you weren't, you know, if you weren't particularly worried about the road aspect of it, you could use the tyre right down to, you know, no tread depth, <laughs> yeah. um, and you'd still have tremendous grip. And still giving more than a cup two at that yes, point. Yes, still giving a lot more than a that, cup two. That's impressive, yeah. isn't it? It would yeah. give more than a brand new cup two. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and what about wet performance? Yeah, wet performance is the only downside of it. Of the R. Of the R's. Yeah, yeah. it's not a tire to be used in the wet mm. for two reasons: a, the temperature it yep. requires temperature, and b, the tread depth and and water evacuation on a track. It it, it it's not good on that tire. Yes. So it does limit you in that sense, mm. um, but. You know, it, it, that's what the Cup 2's for, because yes. the Cup 2 still works well in damp conditions. You want the ultimate. And um, just before we move on from tyres, the last one, which again, new um, sort of track day goers um, often sort of get in a bit of a pickle with is, is pressures. Whenever we go out on circuit, we're not constantly, you know, um, adjusting pressures on these. You tend to get them hot and then run them at a, a pressure for the day. Yeah, I mean, you're looking to run the tyres about 2.2, 2.1, 2.2 hot. Yep. So that's when you come in after doing some laps. So they will obviously drop in pressure when before you next go out, mm -hmm. but that's really where they want to aim for. Um, interestingly, at the Nürburgring, we run 2.3, 2.4. We run slightly yep. higher hot pressures just because of the amount of um, dips and, uh, uh, and G outs that you have through the gradients. Yeah. There. But if you're on a flat circuit like uh, Silverstone, you can run at 2.2 all round and be very confident. But that's a hot pressure. Yes. So you need to bleed the tyres off after your first couple of runs um, and until they, they're at 2.2 hot and then leave them there. And Michelin have got the uh, Track Connect app, which if, again, you need a little bit of assistance, is almost a sort of you know, digital uh, track uh, sorry, tyre uh, engineer for you, isn't it? Well, it is because it will tell you in real live time through the app whether where your tyres are at and whether they're in the right zone or not. Very mm. simply, the tyre that the, each tyre emblem will come up as green if you're in the right range for that circuit. Those temperatures and pressures. Um, so it's a, it is a useful app if you're not confident to do it yourself. Yeah. And 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 that managing them properly, keeping an eye on them, is how we can get 
more life out of the tyre rather than running it way too hot. The thing overheats and goes a bit yeah. hard. Yeah, I mean, people's the, the th- you know there's two things you you don't want massively too low pressure because there's actually the potential to pull the tyre off the bead the, off the rim. Yeah. Um, if you're too low to start with, which is why I always basically go out on the circuit. I don't drop my pressures down to 1.5 or 1.6 before I go out. I yeah. let the I go out and get them too hot and bleed them off yep. so I'm never running with too low a pressure to start with mm-hmm. um, the key though is you need to put the pressures back up before you drive the car home because <laughs> they will drop yes. um, but or similarly running way too higher pressures so when I first go out I'll only do two or three or four laps and then bleed them off and then do another stint and bleed mm. them off again yeah. otherwise they'd go up to sort of nearly three bar or something yeah. and that would be too much no, exactly. So I think uh, we disappeared off down a little rabbit hole there on tires, we did a bit. but it's relevant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is that, I think that's all the initial mods covered that we did on your car. Yeah, I mean, what what actually happened though is when I started running on Cup 2R tires, ah, yes, yeah. the, I was getting so much grip from the tire mm. that the chassis was rolling too much. Okay, okay? Yeah. because you more it tight. It'd be a bit like if you put a set of slicks on your road car. Suddenly the car would roll massively mm. because you're generating so much mechanical grip. Mm. So what I found then was I realised exactly why Manti do a KW coilover kit <laughs> as part of their a part of their performance mods. Um, so that was the obvious thing to do, and I think for any really serious track day driver on running their GT3 or RS on R tires, the KW um, coilover suspension kit is is almost a must do Mm -hmm. uh, because it made a big difference to my car when I put those on. And that was really to make the most of the tire, Mm -hmm. um, keep the tire wear balanced, keep the car a flatter platform on the road, on the track, more drivable, better balanced. Um, and with that, we actually redid the geo again, the geometry setup, to be a slightly more aggressive setup for the um, for the for the KW suspension and the R tires. Yeah, and one of the every single time I take somebody out on that suspension in those sorts of cars, I know exactly what they're going to say before they've opened their mouth. Oh, it's not as hard as I thought it would be. Because yeah. The car looks physically looks quite aggressive, but actually, because of how sophisticated the suspension is. It doesn't feel no bad. No, yeah. I mean, if you drove a Carrera Cup car on the road, mm. it would shake your fillings out in in a hundred yards. Yeah, but you drive an RS or a GT3 on Manti KW stuff, and yeah. it's absolutely fine. I I can't believe how compliant and um, agreeable the drive is on the road. I, mm. I I don't feel any real loss of comfort driving yeah. my car on the road. Mm. Um, but it is relatively, it's still a long way away from what a cup car suspension would be. Yes. You know, it's it's closer to the road suspension than it is race suspension, mm. but it is a significant improvement in the car. And you get to retain axle lift as well, which yeah, is, still you know, got axle lift yeah. when you're going abroad. So I, I vaguely remember a few times um, you telling me, this is this is everything. I don't need anything more than this, <laughs> but we've been spoiled. Why have we been spoiled? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm naughty because I'm trying to almost recreate a cup car driving experience in a road legal car. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, but I'm, I'm pretty close to that with where I've got to with the car. You know, I'm totally happy with the balance of the car, the handling of the car. 
um, the tyres. I mean, I absolutely, I don't drive a car around a racetrack thinking, oh, it needs more of this or it needs more no. of that. Well, at least I didn't until we went to the ring in, <laughs> in October this year. Um, and, and then I started to see the benefit of the full aero package on the car, which is the, something I haven't done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, through long, long, fast corners, you could definitely see where a bit more downforce would help. Yes, and also it's it's how they manage that downforce, isn't it? Because you know the most obvious aspect of a Manti converted car, which you know, we'll put some video pictures up somewhere, I'm sure, but is the the aero discs on the rear wheels, and people kind of go, oh, they look they look you know, different, and some people love them, some people don't. But what they're actually allowing is the car to run a very aggressive wing but at quite a shallow angle. So you're still getting very good downforce, but that manages the airflow over the back of the car. And it, I knew you were gonna say about the ring because if anyone's listening that's ever been there, it, you know, or, or hasn't been there, it, it reconfigures your mind of how fast a car can go down a bit of tarmac. And obviously there, the speeds, average speeds are humongous. Um, and that's where it's gonna come into its own, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we did Spa and the ring back to back, both high speed court, high speed tracks. Um, so any additional benefit you get from aerodynamics is worth having because mm. it's free time, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's just it's like extra grip. Um, the penalty always with extra downforce is drag, mm. um, and the wheel um, spats basically negate some of the drag that the rear wing would cause through having extra. Um, downforce and it's not just the wing it's the gurney it's a whole different rear yeah, deck floor. it's a yeah. complete deck yeah. as well as um, dive planes on the front and underfloor um, deflectors so there's quite a lot involved in the whole package do you think it's uh, what, what sort of speed do you think it's starting to do its its best obviously plus 100 yeah anything over 100 is, mm. is making a, a more significant difference but mm. I always say to people if you if you because you can't see aerodynamics it's easy to doubt their significance but mm. if you stick your hand out of the window at 100 miles an hour and feel how much force is working just on your hand yeah you know imagine the whole deck of a rear wing which is a proper a cord shaped wing in other words an aerodynamic shape mm. you know there's a lot of force it's working on really it. really good explanation actually that yeah. is it's a very valid point because a lot of again the time people sort of ask us oh i like all the wings and stuff on the car yeah. and we have to explain that it's creating so much downforce that even the standard rs suspension which is or gt3 suspension which is very good won't cope with that amount of downforce and you can kind of see them looking at us thinking are you sure about that yeah but in that example it explains it better and hence why we have to run the aero with the uh upgraded suspension you can't do you around. can't do it, no one without the other. But the other thing is that, in fact, when you put the MR Aero kit on, they check the rear deck is changed because the rear wing is no longer mounted to the boot lid. It's actually mounted to the chassis yes. because because you couldn't put that much downforce just onto the rear boot lid itself. It has to be mounted to the chassis. Yeah, so we have to. Uh, it always freaks me out when I watch the lads putting the. <laughs> they have to rivet the, the uh, yeah. plates into the chassis, but yeah. it's interesting because that that block of where the uh, rear wing sits onto the chassis that pushes the downforce into the suspension is now mm. on the 992 series of car as standard. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's no, uh, uh, no surprise that that's happened, I think, given the testing that, you know, it's what, 30K, I think they did at the ring in, in these cars to make sure it works. It's a huge amount of testing, you know, with the best drivers they could possibly have. You know, mm. you've got 
um, experienced race drivers, whether it's Kevin Estra, Lars Kern, they've got a whole fleet of drivers, the best test drivers on the best track, uh, mm. doing the, the research and development for you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have every faith in them. I'm a great believer in the Manti products. And, you know, part of it for me to own a full MR car, GT3 RS, is, is a bit of a dream. You yeah. know? So it will be a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. And I know that will be, at least currently, <laughs> before the next uh, incredible Porsches come out, it will be the fastest and closest thing that I could have to a, a genuine cup car. Yeah, and for those who want to have a watch on our YouTube um, channel, we've, uh, we've put a lap at, uh, that we did back in October, or you did, should I say, back in October. <laughs> Um, and uh, we'll probably be uh, recording the same thing next year. So I think I think we got into the low sevens, um, which in its own on a standard RS with two people on board yeah. um, and yeah, traffic. Um, unfortunately, the lap we did was 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 not the quickest lap we did on, on the, the recording on, on the yeah. thing because it was the only lap we had the camera in. But uh, we were doing it with luggage in the front, yep. two of us on board, um, a full toolkit and all the rest of it, and we a camping not, chair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, yeah, I mean, the car will, we know the car will be quicker and we know what the car is capable of. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it, it'll be a pleasure to go back next year with it as a full MR car. Well, one of the other commonly asked questions is, well, what, why wouldn't you just buy a GT3 and then also buy a race car? Well, why wouldn't you have that? So you've got best of both and, and no compromise. Um, and it's a good question. And... Um, there are different ways to answer that. Some people will be nervous about pushing a car of that value mm -hmm. to its limits because they'll be worried about, you know, potential loss, damage, etc., and might feel more comfortable to just drive a race car because if they crash it, okay, it might still be uh, a cost to repair it, but it is a race car, so it doesn't affect its uh, residual value. Yeah. Um, so there's an argument for that, but then you've got to have two cars if you want, because you can't drive the race car on the road. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my biggest complaint or problem, if you like, is if you buy a race car, you then need a team of people to run it. Race cars don't just run themselves. You need people to store it, load it up, transport it, change wheels, um, air jacks. Um, there's maintenance that needs to be done on a race car that isn't done on a road car. Um, there's no warranty on a race car, whereas my car, as a, even as a full MR car, is totally Porsche warranted, and that so, warranty is renewable. Um, so there's a lot of negatives that come with having a race car, mm. and when you can get a, a, a road legal car so close to the performance, relatively speaking, of the race car, and still have the pleasure of driving it on the road, um, going out, you know, on road trips or to caffeine and machine or to pubs or car meets or anything else or just using it for the sheer pleasure of going for a drive mm. then for me it's not worth having a race car yeah and you know we always laugh there's no there's no prize money at the end of a track day so no. No, yeah, no, there's no benefit of being the fastest car there well provided maybe but <laughs> um but the other thing is that typically a road car if you wanted to go out for the whole day, do as many laps as you can on a track day, a road car usually wouldn't be able to do that. Whereas that's the other difference with these, you know, we massively over maintain the cars generally anyway, but it could do, not that you would, but you could just lap the whole day, fuel it, lap it, fuel it, lap it, fuel it. Whereas well, that's, normally, 
that's pretty much what I did at the Nürburgring. <laughs> yeah. On the last day, I think I did 660 miles mm. that day, yeah. you know, including driving home from the Nürburgring. Yeah. And I was in complete comfort while I was doing it. You know, mm. Apple CarPlay on, air conditioning, you, you name it. Mm. Um, so, you know, you, you couldn't do that in a race car. And a race car is lifed in terms of hours. Yeah. You know, it, 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 so every hour on every component is a cost mm. because drive shafts, gearbox, engine is all life to hours. And you're talking about tens of thousands of pounds worth of rebuild costs to maintain that, clutches, yeah. um, everything. Whereas, you know, a GT3 or an RS under warranty is still just subject to normal um, servicing schedules. Yeah, it's effectively a zero, what we call yeah. zero hours car, isn't yeah. it? It just, it runs like any other, any other vehicle would. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, in terms of um, reliability, again, the other question would be: Christ, these cars are getting a bit of a bit of a kicking. But it's what they are actually designed to do. It's like taking a Range Rover off road. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can speak freely. The reliability of the car in the eighteen months and the time you've spent in it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have honestly never had a problem. Um, I'm not saying that because I'm sat here, I'm saying it because it's true. Mm. Um, you know, the car is designed, and if you saw the amount of testing that the engines go through, mm. running at, you know, eight to 9,000 revs on um, engine dynos for, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours, you are never gonna put the car through that much punishment. Yeah driving it yourself no um so it's well designed and well within its parameters and the one thing we don't modify and Man manti don't modify on any of their cars is the engine yeah uh, because why would you um, it doesn't need it, doesn't need it. yeah um uh, so i don't have any worries about that i probably change oil more often than you would uh, yeah. uh, if you were just driving on the road but that's for peace of mind because mm. Good engine oil is a is a bit of insurance on the car. Yeah. Uh, but you know, as you said, touch wood, I have never had a problem. Yeah. Interestingly, the when I was speaking to some of the guys at Manti, the red two RS MR, which holds yeah. the lap record at the ring, they still stick to the manufacturer's. I I always say minimum service schedules, which is two years, twelve thousand miles, which is incredible. I think the car's done fifty something thousand kilometres yeah. now, and obviously a bit of a lick. Um, but that's the point. I always say to people, that's the manufacturer's minimum service yeah. requirements. Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no downside to keeping no. fresh oil and the gearbox and any engine and gearbox, and also brake fluid as well. Yes, yeah, very much so. It's going through some uh, some temperature cycles. Um, so you've also driven, and, and again, the the cost of building a Nano One Point Two RS MR is now sort of equivalent with what in the current climate a 992 GT3 non-RS at least um, would be priced at. Obviously you've had the pleasure of being able to drive both. What's your impartial feedback please? <laughs> okay, um, yeah I've been very lucky enough to spend some time in the new 992 GT3 and also in the 992 Cup car as well. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about quite a different animal actually. We're mm -hmm. talking about a bigger, um, flatter platform. Uh, the GT3 has bigger tire size on it than previous GT3. It's very close, in fact, to 991.2 RS tire size. Yeah. So it's it's in terms of a 
in terms of um, 992 GT3 benefit over 991 GT3, it's it's significant. Yeah. It is a big significant. It's much closer to a 991 GT3 RS. Yes. Um, but it's still not as good as a 991. Why is that? Right. It's it's slightly less tyre. It does mm -hmm. have a bit more aero. Mm -hmm. um, it's comparable. The, the RS does. Sorry. Yes. Yep, yep. It's comparable on lap times, mm -hmm. but. I would say from a dynamic driving experience, a 991.2 GT3 RS still trumps a 992 yeah. GT3. What the 992 GT3 RS will be like, well, heaven only knows. That probably will be the ultimate mm. and may well be the last normally aspirated GT3 we ever see. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be the ultimate car. But there's, you know, this is my personal personal feeling is that the double wishbone suspension at the front of 992 GT3 takes away some of the driver feel and mm -hmm. engagement with the road. Mm -hmm. It steers fantastically and it's mm -hmm. got incredible grip, I'm not doubting that, but, but behind the seat there's a slightly less engagement with the car. Mm -hmm. um, the car has become slightly softer, smoother, more polished, if you like, mm -hmm. um, than a 991.2 RS. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, certainly upgrading my car to a full Manti spec, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I have no hesitation that my Manti MR 991.2 GT3 RS will be significantly quicker yeah. than a standard uh, 992 GT3. Yes. So when you talk about for the what do you get for the price point? Well, you mm. get a faster car. Yeah. You I get mean. a faster car that I feel is more dynamically engaging to drive. Yes. It'll be interesting, and again, arguing the other side of the coin, it'll be interesting with, say, a couple more years of development in you know, our clients doing track days, our geo setups becoming more aggressive, aftermarket, Mm. parts becoming available because that's where we're not directly comparing apples for apples at mm. the moment is mm. that we haven't got any aftermarket kits for the twos yeah the 992 gt3s yet um and as you say with the the rs due in 2023 we've seen some pretty wild claims of amount of downforce that car's got Apparently yeah the same sort of engine though as yeah. what you've got in yours yeah well, you're right we're not comparing apples with apples we mm. are two different generations of car yeah. um, and of course we've yet to see what Manti are going to produce for the 992 GT3 but we know it'll be something special yes. um, and then we might be having a different conversation obviously <laughs> uh, but at the moment you know look I'm not in a market to own one of those or modify one of those mm. so I'm I, I'm very happy to get my car to be the ultimate 991.2 yeah. and also RS. you've got the uh, and again this is a subjective point um, you've got the fun of modifying yeah we, we like doing that don't we yeah we do it's personal you know mm. I mean I don't know how many UK registered MRs there are GT3 mm. RS MRs but not a whole load of them this will be car number six that we've built so, yeah so yeah. not a huge number so there's a pride of ownership and a specialness about it mm. um, you know and just looking at that rear wing and, <laughs> and everything else it's just gonna you know every time I look at it I'm gonna go wow yes um, which is so, what you've got to have you've yeah. got to have that reason to get up at six o'clock on a Sunday morning for no yeah. reason and go for a rip yeah absolutely um, so I think there's the that it's certainly going to increase my uh, enjoyment of the car, both on the track and just owning it. 
Well, there we go. So hopefully you've found that um, interesting of uh, the evolution of uh, Tim's RS from, from standard to MR build. As I say, if you're interested in seeing a lap with the car up to the point where it had the just the coilovers, that'll be on, on YouTube fairly shortly, depending on when, the, when you listen to this. If it's a, a year down the line, we'll probably have another lap. <laughs> <laughs> Try and dip below seven um, at, uh, at the ring next year for the, for the Mantone track day. So... Uh, Thank you for listening and um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep these videos uh, podcast coming.